Well, welcome again. Good to see you guys. Today is the Sunday post-Easter. And if uh, any of you guys have calendars or actually uh, read my emails, you would know that today, we call today as an, an informally uh, Easter Hangover Sunday. Easter Hangover Sunday. Because typically what happens is Christians kind of drive all their time and energy at the beginning of the year. We drive all this force into this one day, uh, the big day, the Super Bowl of Christians, if you will. And we put it all in the field to celebrate that Jesus is in fact alive. And then we find our way back to this normal rhythm uh, where we're at a normal level of excitement for a God-man who's alive. The question then from last week kind of lingers, right? Jesus is alive. Now what? Now what? What do we do? Do we just nurse an Easter hangover or do, and just go back to the same rut? Or is there something more for us? Is there something more just waiting for us on this Easter hangover Sunday? Let me pray for us to the Spirit of God to work and speak through this text. And I think you're going to be surprised by what you find, that God gives us a beautiful mission in the midst of this uh, post-Easter Sunday. Let me pray. Spirit of God, would you speak to these people? My friends in this room, would you lead them, Lord, uh, to a mission, to a purpose for their lives? For those of us in this room who maybe did the, you know, I accept Jesus thing and I become a convert, but I'm not actually a disciple of Christ. Would you show us what baby steps you have prepared for us? Even me, as I preach this text, would you just convict me? to live on this mission that you've apportioned for us. Lord, we trust you with our lives. And we mean it. I mean it. Speak to these people. In your son's name, amen. H.B. Charles shares this wonderful story I just love, uh, where he describes this very specific ship. Uh, in the 1940s, the U.S. ship line was proposing a new ship that they would build. And by today's uh, monetary standards, it would be about a, a, seven, a $671 million ship. And this ship was called the SS United States. Uh, the U.S. government found out that, this, that they were building this ship. And so they said, let's put, uh, we're going to pay for about 80% of it, 80% of this massive ship. And you ask, why? Why would the U.S. government uh, pitch in that much? Well, they did so because the government planned to use this ship to transport 10,000 troops at the highest speeds of any liner uh, that's ever existed across the Atlantic. And so it was, a incredible, it was a feat, it was a, a massive feat of American ingenuity that, that would deliver 10,000 troops across the Atlantic Ocean. Well, in 1952, the SS United States, as it's called, the SS United States, set sail. But it never set sail as the troop carrier it was meant to be. This particular vessel made history as a very famous ship, but it was a famous ship that actually became a luxury liner, a luxury cruise liner that catered to wealthy patrons. In the late summer of 1969, this vessel finally had its last customer of taking people across the Atlantic, uh, those patrons. And since then, the SS United States has been docked here in the Delaware River, where it's a popular tourist attraction, and it sits there decaying, purposeless, 
next to a Wendy's, <laughs> believe it or not. Why do I tell you this? The, ch the church, the church, is a troop carrier, not a luxury liner. The church is a war vessel, not a tourist attraction. Because here's the thing, Jesus post-resurrection gave us a very specific mission. Right? He, he declared that we have a mission and the church is on a mission and this is a vessel that carries you, the troops. The, troop, the church is a troop carrier, not a luxury liner. And since the church is made of you, you are the church, since it's made up of you, it's people, there's a very real threat that you may be missing your personal purpose by drifting back to the dock. Today is going to be a recentering for our church. It's, a, it's an evaluation for you and for us as a body to see and discover if we're actually accomplishing our intended purpose, the purpose that Jesus came to deliver to us. If we're not accomplishing that purpose, then we will sit and we will decay at port. This is a reminder for you and I today to engage at sea and engage personally with the purpose Christ delivered to us. Jesus is alive. Now what? Now what? Let's check it out. Matthew 28. I'm glad you asked. Here we go. Matthew 28, verse 16. This is called the Great Commission. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, so they saw the post, you know, Jesus resurrected, they saw him at this mountain in Galilee, which, little cool little side note, this is probably the mountain where he started his ministry. So 11 disciples, we lost one. Read the, read the couple chapters, see what happened to that guy. Last couple chapters. 11 disciples with Galilee, to the mountain Jesus directed them. And when they saw Jesus, the resurrected Lord, they worshipped him. Comma. But some doubted. Verse 18, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I am with you always to the end of the age. Okay. So Jesus has been with his disciples for 40 days, eating, hanging out, poking holes in fingers, and showing himself to others. That was pretty funny. I like that. Uh, showing himself to others and enjoying just how, you know, enjoying being alive. He was alive, just enjoying life. And after 40 days, he arrives to this mountain, again, most likely the mountain where he started his ministry. And now the entire time uh, they're there, they worship him, but then some doubt. But the entire time Jesus' his disciples are there, they're thinking, um, okay, Jesus is alive. We're good. I mean, we're golden. We're like the inner circle. We're going to storm the gates, and I'm going to get a throne and a crown, and it's going to be killer. This is what's going to happen next. And actually, that doesn't happen. They're thinking, okay, Jesus is going to establish a new kingdom on earth. And now, if you just read a couple pages later, that's not what happens. Jesus ascends to go back to be with his father. 
But before he does that, he delivers a very critical mission, an objective, a purpose, if you will, for his people, which is you. And he delivers the first, their first priority, their first priority. Today, we're going to discover that Jesus' last commandment should be our first priority. But he does something so interesting. First, he establishes the fact that he has authority. He says, I have all the authority in heaven and on earth. little rabbit trail. If someone comes and knocks on your door, maybe a Jehovah's Witness will tie on and says, hey, I want to come talk to you. And you don't give them some lame excuse like I'm bathing my cat or something. And you actually want to talk to him. This is a great place to go with them. Jesus says, I have all authority on, in heaven and on earth. Only God has that. Only God has all authority in heaven and on earth. He's saying, I, I am God. I am God. I'm the third person of the Trinity. God is three people, one, one deity, three people. It's amazing. I, he's saying, I am God. I have all the authority. How can someone say that? That's, a, that's an insane statement. That's crazy. I have all the authority on, in heaven and on earth. Here and there, I am in charge. That's staggering. How could someone make a statement so large? Well, in order for you to get to your intended purpose in this text, in verse, the, the, verse eight, let's see, verse, uh, uh, the rest of verse 18, 19, you have to see that there's first a claim. Verse, uh, verse 17 is, is not, or verse 18 is not the actual Great Commission. This is a claim. He's not commissioning you to do something. It's a claim. He says, I have all the authority in heaven and on earth. I get to choose who I give this mission to, in other words. It, it, basically, he's saying, look, I'm the man of the house. Some of you guys, it's funny, like you, you have to go into your house and be like, look, I'm the man of the house. I know, I make the rules. And if you have to say that, you're probably not. I'm just uh, letting you know, okay? Right? But Jesus says, I am the man of the house, but I'm also the man of that house. I am in charge, and I get to choose who I give this commission to. I have the authority here and there. My dad, some of you guys have met my dad here, Robert. Uh, he's from Glasgow, Scotland. He flew over here. Uh, he was a golf pro and practiced golf and did the whole thing. Uh, and he, uh, he's not from here, basically. And so when I was a kid, my mom decided, said, hey, Graham, you know what you should do? You should sign up for baseball. And my dad says, what's baseball? And I was like, oh, gosh, here we go. And so she signs me up for baseball. And I was thinking my mom would be there because she's from America. She would know what baseball happens, happens in baseball. I didn't know anything about baseball. And so we sign up. We go to practice. My, dad, my mom was, wasn't there for the first one. My dad's the first person who brought me to my ever, ever, my first baseball practice ever. He's never seen a baseball in his life, right? It's an American sport. Crazy. So we get there, and he uh, got my little toy glove, and I'm totally unprepared. I get to my first at bat, uh, this little t-ball thing. I hit the ball, and I run to the base. And my dad happens to be the, the first uh, base coach. So run up to the first base. Someone uh, throws the ball to the first base, and I get out, and the umpire goes, you're out. And my dad stand there, stands there and goes, you're out, son. You've got to go home now. That's it. Grab your stuff, and let's get out of here. I kid you not. We walk towards the outfield. We're walking out, like, and I'm, cry I'm bawling, crying, like, I'm out, I can never play baseball again, you know? I I'm 
I'm just devastated. And then all of a sudden, this coach runs up. He runs up and he goes, oh, wait, 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 what are you doing? He goes, you said he's out. He, he's out. What are you talking about? He's out. And he goes, no, 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 look. You get another at bat. I, I, I want you to keep playing the game. You, you, can, you can keep playing. And my dad sits there and is like so confused. And, I'm, and I go, I can keep playing? You know, like a little kid. Here's the thing. The coach has the authority to determine if I get to go play again. Some of us hear this claim. He has all the authority and it just goes right over your head. Your coach says, I want you in the game. He's on your team. And he's giving you, delivering to you personally, saying, Mike, I want you in the game. I want you to have another at bat. He's the one that has the authority. My dad's just a volunteer. The coach has the authority to say, I want you in the game. If you hear this claim, I have all the authority in heaven and on earth, and then you don't immediately jump towards, he's delivering this to you, you're missing this. You're missing the text. I want you at bat. You're, you get to stay in the game. I have the authority to make that call. Despite your past, despite your present, despite your future mistakes, I am the coach, I am in charge of the field at play, and I want you in the game. He delivers this commission, and then he moves on. After that commission, which is where the rest of this text really hangs on, like so you have to believe that claim, you see, okay, now he's alive, he has authority. If he's alive, then it means he still has authority, and he's delivering this claim to me, and what does he say next? He says, verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And here it is. He's alive. He delivers you that commission and he gives you our first, his, his last commandment and our first priority. His last commandment and our first priority. I want you to go and make disciples. Now, why would we pull out the word make as a verb? There's like five other verbs in there. Why would we pull out make disciples of all the specific things? Why not go? Why not uh, baptize? Why not teach? Well, here's the thing. Every grammatical scholar that knows a lick about anything would tell you that the most, the imperative verb in this text is make disciples. In fact, if you have a pen, if you would please just underline make disciples. That's the verb that all the other verbs in this text hangs on. And so baptizing, teaching, and going are underneath the heading of making disciples. His last command and our first priority is make disciples. Say make disciples. Make Got it. Some of you are awake. Now, what is a disciple? What's a disciple? That's a great question. What is a disciple? Well, at Forward Bible Church, we use the word disciple interchangeably with the word apprentice. It's a synonymous term because apprentice is someone who sits underneath Jesus. So, so what does it mean to sit under Jesus' teaching, to, to be an apprentice of his? Well, it's simple. It's very simple. It hasn't changed. One, you be with Jesus. Two, you become like Jesus. And three, you do what Jesus did. It, simply put, a disciple is someone who follows the way of Jesus. Now, this command isn't just tucked in a corner, right? This is a command for all people who claim that Jesus is the Son of God. 
It's not reserved for a certain subsection, like this section of the auditorium. You guys make disciples and the rest of you guys can just look really good looking, right? No, he says, this is for everybody. Everybody makes disciples. Now, the question for us as the church, as we read this text, if we do a little pulse check of where Forward Bible Church is, is, is the church, or even really if we just evaluate the rest of the church, even the big C church, meaning all, all the church, is the church designed to yield a high level of transformation within our people, to become apprentices of Jesus? Is the form of the church matching the function of the church? Here's the function. Is our form matching the function that he's established for us? If you're a business owner or a leader, you know that your system is set up to deliver the results that you're getting, right? Whatever system you have in play, that's the results you're going to get. That's the KPIs you get is all of a, as a result of the form that you have established. And so the question for us today and for the big C church is, are we hitting our purpose? I'm going to give you a little bit of insight. Some of you guys I could see is your first Sunday. And so I want to uh, make sure that we are clear on what uh, for Bible Church's actual model is. So we have churches really made up of three things. It's kind of up here. Celebration, formation, and community. Some of you guys heard this in your, in your partnership class, but I want to be really clear. So all churches are really made up of three things. Three things. Celebration formation, and community, okay? Celebration is what you're doing right now. We're all celebrating. Yay. Great. Awesome. Excellent. Uh, we're celebrating right now. We're celebrating the Lord's goodness. We're hearing from the, the word of the Lord. We're singing together. We're, you're singing to each other. We're singing to the Lord. It's a beautiful thing. That's celebration, typically reserved in the modern church for large groups. Then we have community. Communities like your small groups, right? You get getting together in little pods and you get to love each other and know each other. It's an awesome thing. And then formation. Formation is typically like a medium-sized group where you would uh, learn, uh, let's say, uh, like a Sunday school class. A Sunday school class is a, a really great tool for formation, uh, to learn the Word of God and be discipled as an apprentice of His. The modern church, if you, uh, if you recognize this, Glazers, we, we went through this, is that typically you come into the church and say, hey guys, I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to Fort Bible Church. Get into a small group. Stoked you're here. Please fill out a connect card. Text 55598 to Forward Bible Church. Now get in a small group. You're going to get in a small group. Love it. You're going to love it. You're going to love small groups. And we skip over this formation piece, which is why Forward Bible Church's nucleus, the whole reason why we do this, is to center ourselves around formation, on you becoming a disciple of Christ. That, that's, what we see, that's what we see as our, our, function, our form behind our function. So uh, if you remember this last semester, we really honed in uh, that following Jesus isn't just about a wedding day, right? You remember that? Following Jesus isn't about the wedding day. We're like, oh, I, I punched my ticket. No, following Jesus is about being yoked to him, taking those baby steps with him. And then we landed last Sunday on how it's a personal, personal allegiance that you have with him. And in this model, we have four kind of things that we do. We have Education, practice, relationship, and outreach. And all these things are building at Fort Bible Church. Education uh, is the first one. Uh, if you went to uh, the Passover meal, you, that was an incredibly like, unbelievable uh, time where we get to learn. But it wasn't just learning like, what to do. It was l learning how to do it. 
If you go back to the text, it says, I want you to teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. It implies I want you to teach people how to follow me, not just what I told them to do. You follow me there? I can tell somebody, don't worry, right? Or I can sit with them and say, man, this is awful. I can say to some person, like, stop looking at porn. Or I can walk with them through an accountability relationship to weed that sin out of their life. There's a huge difference between, let me, let me just tell you what to do, and let me show you how to do what he did. So education, l- learning. Let's go back to the ones. Relationship. If you have been here for any amount of time, you know that home-to-home is like the only thing we offer. Surprise, that's all we got. That's all our bag of tricks, done. We want you to be in homes with each other. Our partners are open up their homes for you so that you can be in relationship. You wanna hear the real secret? This is like super insider knowledge, don't tell everybody. We have you be in relationship with each other so that you'll disciple one another. That's the whole reason we're doing this. Charles Admire caught on really fast, like super fast. He's like, you guys are doing this so that we'll disciple one another. I was like, yeah. And so he grabbed Gage Scott and he's been taking him a coffee. He's engaged in a discipleship relationship with somebody, but he first had to start with relationship. Practice. If you remember, we had like a whole series on Sabbath. Anybody there? Wasn't that fun? Man, I'm getting texts from you guys of like people going on jogs and pictures of the beach, of people's feet, really, that's it. I have lots of feet pictures. I don't know. Sorry. (laughs) It's weird. Uh, But really, it's just people enjoying, enjoying practicing being with God. It's a beautiful thing. And then outreach speaks for itself. I mean, the foster closet was an insane opportunity that you took a hold of and we got to bless this people with. But that's a part of your growth. When you serve others, when you're in relationship with others, when you practice what Jesus did and you learn from him, you become a fully functioning disciple of Christ that has a life without lack. Not just a one moment, I'll choose the lollipop in heaven over hell, please. It's a, I'm going to walk with you. And I'm going to enjoy being formed by him in a beautiful relationship. So the question for you is very simple. Where on this are you kind of missing? If you're kind of look at, do a little triage, like we say. If you're doing a little triage of your relationship, maybe you know a lot about Jesus. And you got the head knowledge thing down. But you're not in a discipleship relationship with anybody. Maybe Sabbath is your jam. I take four Sabbaths a week, Graham. Uh, It's called quiet quitting. You should try it, right? I've got the practice thing down. But really, I'm not serving anybody. I'm just kind of enjoying life with Christ. Maybe I've got a lot of discipleship relationship, but I actually don't have a lot of biblical knowledge. We had uh, Cinda Roten at our house the other day, and we, we had our Taco Tuesday thing. And she's talking and she goes, you know, something I could use prayer for is I just started engaging with the Bible recently. I've been a believer for a long time. And, and I just started engaging with the Bible recently. And she said, it's changed my whole life. It's a beautiful thing. She realized where she's lacking and she stepped into that thing. And now she's living more for a purpose. It's a, beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. Story after story after story. You can see. But my question to you is, let's do a little triage. And the question really comes about, why are you here? you got to ask yourself that question. Why are we here? I went on a cruise once. <laughs> it was not a good experience. Hey. I'm sorry, my mom. But <laughs> it, it was awesome. Thank you. It was a carnival cruise. Thank awesome. Uh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
it was a frat party on an ocean, honestly. Uh, so many things I never want to see ever again. Uh, but uh, I'm the weirdo who likes to exercise on uh, like vacation. And so I go, into, uh, I go into the gym and I see this machine. Do I have a picture of the machine? I see this machine. This machine is in the, it's called a, a Walton, Walton uh, vibration machine. I guess you, you hook it around your glutes and it vibrates. And, and I'm, the, there was carpet in the gym, it was like blue carpet. And I'm thinking, what the heck is going on? This is like 1945 gym. And I realized people don't go on Carnival Cruise Lines to work out. That's not why they're there. Why are you here? Why are you going to church? Why are, you, why are we gathering? You have to ask yourself that question. Is your form, your attendance at church matching the function, which is Jesus saying to you, go. Make disciples. Teach them to obey all that I have commanded them. Why are you here? Why are you on the ship? That's a good question for you to ask and also evaluate and do a little triage. Okay, so we, he, gives us, he gives us authority. He says, now I want you to go and make disciples. And then after that, he says, okay, uh, that's it. Go. I, I want you to go teach people to obey all that I have commanded them. I want you to teach them how to walk like Christ. Like me, is what he says. And then I want you to baptize them. Baptism is a beautiful expression of an inward decision that someone's made to follow Christ, right? It's a declaration that I am in fact in him. I actually possess the authority that he gave me over sin and I have that power now to diminish sin in my life and to chase after him unfettered. It's a beautiful declaration. But it is a step, right? These are verbs. Go is a verb. And if I could just offer something that really helped the establishment of Forward Bible Churches, our movement in the church is really relegated to sitting down, listening, standing up, and leaving. That's the goal that um, we're seeing in the modern church and our challenge our challenge to you, our friends, is that there is a lot more movement out there. There's a lot more movement out there. If you understand the authority of Christ, you understand the mission that he's given you, then you're going to want to cast off, and that's the only thing that's left. You're going to step out because you have the confidence in him. And here's, I'm going to be frank with you. I understand that it's scary. To engage in a, a discipleship relationship with somebody, it can be terrifying. I met with a student once, we sat at Potbellies, and I said, hey man, there's this guy who I think you really connect with, you guys have similar hobbies, will you just go and why don't you just engage in a discipleship relationship with them, just share with them what you know about God and what you know about Jesus. He said, look, I don't, very, I don't know very much. And I go, what do you do, do you know? He's like, honestly, Graham, the only thing I got, only thing I got, is John 3.16, because I'm like a big Tebow fan. Like, I, that's all I got. And I said, dude, that's enough. That is way more than enough. 90% of the planet has no idea what that is. You've got that one verse in your pocket? Dude, use that. You can use that and change someone's life. That's all it takes. Just take a step of faith, will you? Take that step. Fear and doubt cripples us to living the purpose that we're called to live. Just like that ship that sat there and decayed, 
Um, I have a good friend who uh, is from a foreign country, and he uh, doesn't. He, did, he didn't learn. Uh, he lived in a, a kind of an impoverished neighborhood. He didn't learn how to swim when he was younger. And so when he came to the states, a couple of his buddies got together and said, "Hey, we want to bless this guy with uh, with a." A cruise. We want to take him on a cruise, which is not a great idea for a guy who doesn't like to swim, right? And so he, they, they knew that he was kind of scared, wasn't sure about going on the boat. And so he, they get the ticket and uh, they say, okay, let, we're going to go about five or six hours until, is it called port call Is that when they leave? Yeah, port call We're going to get together five or six hours before we leave so that he can kind of warm up to what's going on. And so they go to the, the desk, they get their ticket, and they get to uh, the gangway, which is like the passenger bridge, and uh, he stands there with the ticket. And then he goes back down. And then he comes back up. And he does that one hour, two hours, three hours, four hours, five hours. This guy's going back and forth on the gangway, just trying to decide it. Do I want to go or should I? I'm, I'm kind of afraid. Should I go? I'm, I'm hesitant. And he never went on the boat. He missed out on the cruise. Fear and doubt toward himself, about himself really crippled him. And if that's you today, if you're sitting in this room and you, and you have any hint of self-doubt and your ability to teach people to obey Jesus, to follow what Jesus did, if you're stuck kind of navel-gazing, right? Thinking, okay, God doesn't want to use me. I'm not, I'm not the guy. Graham, you don't understand. I'm not the guy. You're the guy who has the boots and does the stuff with his hair. Like, you, you, got, the guy, you got the seminary education. Like, Graham, that's you. Right? I hear that a lot. Graham, just, you go do it. You're the guy who has all the knowledge. You do all the stuff. You know what? You're right. We'll just stop there. You're right. I'll disciple everybody. That sounds good. No, no, really. Seriously, why are you laughing? I'll disciple all of it. You guys don't have to do anything. Just enjoy the cruise. Don't forget the open donut bar in the back and, and don't trip on the gangway out. You know, like, no. He says, I want to use you, Gage. I want to use you to disciple people. Andy, I want to use you. I'm calling out to you. And what, what's hard here is we've missed, we've missed two pieces of the text that I, I, I implore you, please don't leave without hearing this. And what I like to call this, this is, this is called the the Great Commission sandwich. If you have self-doubt in your mind, if you're not getting on the boat, then your sandwich is falling apart. You've ordered a protein-style sandwich and it's just kind of falling apart, okay? You need the bread. Please go back to the text. I'm not making this up. I need you to see this. This is so critical because we all do this. We all doubt our ability to disciple. First, the first part, first piece of bread, verse 17, and when they saw him, they worshiped him but some doubted. But some doubted. Set the scene. The disciples are face to face with the risen Jesus Christ. And they're still doubting. For those of you in this room who are like, oh man, if God just revealed himself to me, then I would believe everything. I wouldn't be so sure. I wouldn't be so sure. They're doubting. The, the word here translates really well to hesitant. They're hesitant. Please see this. These men are unprofessional, hesitant doubters. And if you think this is all up to professional Christians, which, whatever that means, then you've missed it. He's using sinful, broken, unprofessional, hesitant doubters all the time. He started that way, and it's going to end that way. 
and that's you. He wants to use you, you unprofessional, hesitant doubter. <laughs> Grandma's harsh on Sunday. He wants to use you. If you're ever in that camp of like, you know what, I doubt God all the time, and I really don't know all this stuff, and I'm really hesitant to step out. I'm in that camp. I'll be the first person to buy the t-shirt. You make it. We are all in that camp, and that's who he's been using this whole time, and he's going to continue to do so, and that's you. That's your first piece of bread. The bottom of the sandwich. Don't forget this. End of verse 20. I am with you always to the end of the age. I am with you always to the end of the age. My friend, who didn't get on that boat, missed it. But someone came into his life and said, I'd love to take you into my backyard swimming pool and I'd love to teach you how to swim. And last year, I saw him get on a boat. We're here to teach people to swim, but you gotta be with them in the pool. So let's take the step. Let's cast off, not decay at a port, but, but watch as God use you, uses you to accomplish the purposes that he set out for you to accomplish every baby step along the way. My fear is some of you have had the ticket in your hand for a long time. You know where you're supposed to go, but you haven't gotten the ship. Some of us have, been, have stayed converts for a long time, but we haven't stepped into being a disciple. Let's do that together. Cool? Let me pray for you guys. Father, would you and your majesty remind us right now, even if there's any hint of doubt creeping in, right this second, Jesus Christ, please remind us that you have all the authority to deliver this commission. And because you have the authority, you can declare over us that you want to use us, unprofessional, hesitant doubters. Will we not shy away from the purpose, the mission that you gave us? And will we cling closely to you as you help us wade through the baby steps you've called us towards? Lord, if there's someone in this room who knows somebody and that person, that coworker has just been on their mind over and over again, they're like, I, I kind of just want to tell them about my story that Jesus really saved me and the joy I have in Jesus. I pray in Jesus' name that you would convict the people in this room to take one baby step with those people towards making them a disciple of yours. We pray this in, under the authority of Jesus Christ. Amen.